Welcome to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast, where three brothers from three different generations talk about their one shared passion, music. I'm your host, Wyndham Lewis, and I'm here with my two brothers, Jeremy Sartori and Christian Lewis. And today, we're talking about the albums we're most looking forward to in 2019. You can now listen to episodes on the BrotherPod app, which also gives you access to additional new music, music news, clips, and content that we curate for each episode. You can also interact with us directly through the TalkBack feature, ask us questions, make suggestions, and voice your own opinions. Just search BrotherPod in the App Store to download on your mobile devices. As always, you can learn more about the pod at BrotherPod.com, follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and it's extremely helpful if you rate and review us on iTunes. Now, instead of looking back at what happened in 2018, we're looking forward today at the most anticipated albums of 2019. I'm your host, Wyndham Lewis, and I'm here with my two brothers, Jeremy Sartori and Christian Lewis, and today uh, is a day for optimism. Uh, We are anticipating 2019's scheduled releases, the ones we're looking forward to, and uh, I believe the subtitle of this, um, thank you, Christian, is our annual uh, Wren's Summit. Uh, Will they or won't they? It's the biggest, it's the biggest question of the year every year will they or won't they release their fourth album anyway um barring i think everybody pretty much left the wrens off their uh, most anticipated 2019 uh list this year. <laughs> which means it's which means it is most likely um to to be the year that they actually release they this don't date i think they um, they try and wait till every single fan has actually forgotten that they have a new album pending and then I think uh, this anticipatory uh, climate dates back, and I, I kid you not, and this was, uh, I believe in 2006 I was reading about um, an anticipated Wren's album. So this is the 13th anniversary of the first anniversary of the uh, Wren's countdown to their fourth release. So hit it. In, in, which, in which time I've become a man. Um, and uh, <laughs> the United States has gone through a variety of um, of, of uh, tumultuous changes. Um, I think the the interesting part, uh, you know, for us, Wyndham, is that you know we had this uh, incredible opportunity to to sit down with with Charles um, in his house. I think uh, that was actually back in 2017, and listen to the album. Um, so I'm I'm genuinely you know curious, and I think it will be. I feel like. When we when we hear the finished product, we really are going to have this sort of unprecedented sort of insight into into what his uh, you know what this what this evolutionary process looks like. What the, gets left the on question the floor will be: Will you guys be able to pick up the uh, the hi hat sound that he's been working on <laughs> since that <laughs> that first uh, listening? I think it, yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, will the songs be the same? Number one, but then yes, yeah. It's all, it's always going to be like, uh, are we going to get the um, the you know the right reverberation of the hi hat off the inside of his kitchen? I think. Um, but with with in, you know, in a slightly more serious note, I think um, you know we're really excited for this thing. Yeah. Uh, and actually, I st- they've still got a big announcement coming up about where um, where that album is, is cool. going to be released. So uh, so no spoilers here, but um, I think that'll be uh, that'll be a pretty I- fun. Ironically, uh, by the time, yeah, all joking aside, by the time it comes out, I think it, our most Sorry, uh, no, I was just going to say, by the time it comes out, I think it can be titled "American Democracy." <laughs> and I was just going to reiterate: uh, we put the Wrens on the list not because we're joking, because we can't wait for this album to come out every year. So, yeah, this thing kicks ass. So, That's it. Let's um, see. Let's see. Let's go to uh, some people who have been commit, who have actually committed to putting out records this uh, year. <laughs> Um, and and who have uh, who enjoy a lot less patience on the part of uh, on, on the part of any affiliated record labels. So um, you know, get your act together and get something on there. Um, otherwise, uh, otherwise we will find someone else. Um, so Wyndham, uh, you want to kick it off and, and let us know, like, what's one of your biggest, uh, you know, her hottest hottest albums well, of anticipation for? I think it's always easy to go first things first, and certainly we don't have a lot of release dates on a lot of these, but we do on a few, and a couple of them are coming out. 
uh, within the next 10 days. And uh, number number one on that list for me is Deer Hunter, uh, whose album comes out on the 18th, which is Why Hasn't Everything Already Disappeared? And as usual, um, they have put out a killer first single, um, at Death in Midsummer, and it's got me... Like it always does, like it did when Snakeskin came out. I am uh, listening to this single over and over again and wondering if the rest of the album can follow suit and hoping that it does, because it's a really cool song. I don't know if you guys have heard it. I have, yeah, and I do like it a lot. Um, I have. It It, does, it definitely uh, evokes the kinks and, um, you know, some of those. It's, it's a really, it's a sort of... Pastoral. Uh, you know... That, that folk English like quality Fairport that, convention-y you know, kind um, of stuff but it's got it's at the heart of it it's got yeah. that same deer hunter kind of ability um, and I won't put my finger on it as, as a non-musicologist but it's that sort of there's that tonal shift that they're so good at that's so subtle and, and you know so effective um, but it, it sort of uh, feels like uh, lightly strumming a lute and then, uh, but it's still a, a really good pop rock song. So, yeah, they always incorporate a great melody and have that pop tinge, which is it's always made them great. And I'm glad you said the the Kinks thing because that's the first thing that popped into my head as well. Is it just sounds like a, a almost a little more British than than something they've done before, or at least I know they probably weren't going for that sound necessarily, but it, it has a little bit of that like '60s British folk sound, which is kind of cool. So. These guys' albums are always interesting. I think, uh, you know, I'm not going to say I, I love all their stuff start to finish, but I um, I always pick up whatever they put out, and uh, I'm always better for it. Well, the second one, that, and I think it's coming out the same day, and I'll lean on you, Jer, as our resident Sharon Van Etten expert, um, is uh, <laughs> Remind Me Tomorrow by Sharon Van Etten. So what are we, what are we anticipating here? Yeah, well, this album is getting a lot of hype off the first two singles. And, and first, you know, Sharon Van Etten kind of came on the scene in, in 2012 <clears throat> with Tramp. And then, um, you know, in 2014, an album that really kind of I got very into, Are We There? And has had some sort of side releases from that. But always been kind of uh, an indie darling. Um, she has a fantastic voice. Her songs uh, tend to be a little bleak or were a little bleak, I should say and moody um but you know very passionate great lyricist and uh you know on, on are we there she started to kind of play around a little bit more not much unlike uh waxahachi where she had you know some keyboards and, and a little more electronic uh sounds but still very lo-fi in her new album um also should mention hot off the you know new york times article that came out i think over the weekend where uh it featured sort of just how intense her life has gotten since 2014 so she just had a kid um she's started an acting career and is on the netflix series oa mm -hmm. and uh also um is doing some indie films as well and i heard comeback finishing up her undergraduate degree as well on top of all that's that. right and yeah so it sounds like piling it in and then managed to uh also you know stick with her day job of creating another album but um the uh the first single comeback kid is is big. I mean, it's a big pop song. It's uh, I think it carries some of the same weight as her more lo-fi stuff with, um, you know, great lyrics. Her voice, you know, is excellent, but it, it's definitely like a, a, you know, a full production. And uh, 17, the second follow-up single as well, uh, has that same sort of feel. The videos and kind of her, her look has kind of morphed a little bit, and, uh, you know, probably somewhat intentional. It might be just, you know, growing up or confidence, but... You know, it's definitely a, a much flashier Sharon Van Etten, and, and uh, I'm really excited for this album. I think it's going to be really good. Sometimes when people take that turn, it can go, uh, you know, in the wrong direction. But uh, it's, this album's still on Jag Jaguar, so it's still an independent label, but um, I think the sound is going to be big and definitely is going to push her into more living rooms. Yeah, I think she's almost borrowed a piece of uh, Charlotte Gainsbourg's playbook on, on the first couple singles. Um, they're very lush and very synth-heavy. Well, I think uh, it, also in January, we've got uh, Papa Roach's Who Do You Trust um, coming out, uh, which I know I, they're long-awaited, um, you know, X, yeah, no, ugh, Christ. Um, I was actually surprised to see that they were uh, still putting out music. Um, There's so still good. spring break in Florida. So Waterman Tubastank. Is there really? <laughs> I thought that that was, uh, I thought that that was, that had been outlawed. 
Um, I had, I had Actually, hoped. Um, in January, on a serious note, uh, there were two albums I wanted to toss out there that are that are coming. Um, so both uh, sort of from the country Americana um, uh, realm, but uh, Hayes Carl's new album, What It Is, and uh, Ryan Bingham's album, American okay. Love Song. Um, Hayes Carl, I think, is a woefully underrated uh, sort of singer-songwriter. Um, you know, if you're a fan of, uh, of Towns Van Zandt, I, I realize that's high praise and a, a big comparison. You know, he's, he's a guy who's um, just a sort of very uh, evocative um, storyteller. Uh, and you know has has really a wonderful performer if you get the opportunity to see him live. Um, Ryan Bingham, uh, similarly uh, an extraordinarily good performer, um, a sort of bigger sound and, and fuller band. I think uh, had had um, seven or eight folks on stage with him uh, last time I saw him here at Music Hall of, of Williamsburg. Um, but he, of course, was the uh, artist responsible for the music behind um, the movie Crazy Heart with with. Um, and I think the so, person most closely uh, reflected, I mean, I know that uh, Bradley Cooper studied Eddie Vedder for the role in A Star is Born, but if you're looking at a, at a kind of career and, and style of music, I'd say Ryan Bingham is, is kind of, you know, sort of a, a harder rocking, um, you know, sort of somewhere between country uh, singer-songwriter and, and, and full-on southern rock. Yeah, and has the has the advantage also of being so he's his story is pretty remarkable, um, and I think you know sort of if Crazy Heart really was a, a breakout for him, and that of course was uh, T Bone Burnett who uh, who produced the the soundtrack, um, but he you know at that point I think was a twenty three year old living in his car, um, and uh, you know he really was down to his, his last couple bucks and and trying to gig where he could. Um, and this, you know, he has this incredibly sort of like gravelly deep voice, um, for somebody so young, uh, that really does, that, that really does say, you know, he's, he's sort of seen it all. So, um, Hayes Carl and Ryan Bingham would be my two picks for January. Nice. Yeah. I love both those guys. Well, I was going to lean back on Jer for, uh, the next one, which is Ariana Grande's Thank You Next. I don't know. Again, these aren't, these, uh, after, uh, the January release dates, um, there's some speculative, uh, dates, but mostly this is going to be out of chronological order because, uh, release dates are are sort of few and far between right now. So we're just going to sort of run down some stuff we're looking forward and, to. And as somebody who's been involved with this before, it's not an exact science, these things. Yeah, move. but I, th- I was thinking the next one, Jer, if you want to take this, because I know you're a big fan, uh, Ariana Grande's Thank You Next, <laughs> and I say that with no irony, uh, you are a big fan. No, I am a fan. I like her a lot, and uh, I thought Sweetener was on my uh, top 20 list, um, 25 list for this year, didn't make the, the final cut for us but um, I thought it was, it's an awesome pop album and she's just getting kind of better and better I think she's the right I, I don't know who I guess she t- would be taking the throne from but there's Mariah something about the production on her her um, songs and the producer she works with where they all sound um, to me you know like really well constructed obviously but also like relevant and and catchy and dancey, like in the way Madonna kind of Robin. used to be, or, or you know somebody Robin, right? But with a little less, you know, a little more mainstream, obviously than Robin. But yeah, thank you. Next, also, uh, that's a sing a single that came out. I know the album is uh, highly anticipated, and the single did kind of a mock video on um, you know some of the teen movies of Mean Girls and uh, Heather's, and, and was hugely. I think it was like one of the most viewed uh, videos on YouTube ever. So, um, I don't have, you know, that song is great. That song's actually almost as good, if not better, than anything on Sweetener. So, if that's any indication, then uh, I'm excited for Ariana Grande. So are my daughters. My only comment (laughs) on that is is it's unusual for some pop singer of that sheen and caliber to be this prolific. Um, Yeah, she has been, actually. You're you're right. She's pretty much put out something almost every year, I feel like, or at least the last three years. And, uh, and I think it's also unusual, and I, I find this somewhat annoying sometimes, where it's like the kind of cool press picks up on an Ariana Grande, but maybe not somebody else who's just as poppy and catchy. But I think a couple of people really do stand apart, and um, she's one that, that does. The universal. All right. Well, next up. One of your faves, yeah. when I was going to say, is uh, the Danny Brown. I know. I know uh, he makes your list whenever he puts out I album. love him. I love his delivery. I think he's a riot, and I think he's, you know, a great character. 
also just a really smart, funny songwriter. Um, and uh, I am looking forward to the Danny Brown album. Uh, my only takeaway, and this was, comes from a Pitchfork uh, article, is that he's working with a unnamed legendary hip-hop producer. So um, I can't give a lot of preview on this other than I'm excited to see what he does after... Um, atrocity exhibition and um, you know he's a guy with a a lot of weird influences and he could go anywhere so I mean this could be a country album for all I know (laughs) you're probably probably not at liberty to discuss this Wyndham but uh, is it Dr. Dre? I'm sorry? is it Dr. Dre? you know I don't know um, that would be a good guess, though. I would say uh, if it were Con- if it were Kanye, be- we'd know already. If it were the Shockley brothers, it might be a little outdated. Um, I think we would know because uh, Danny Brown would have. <laughs> yeah, is, somehow I, I don't see him surviving a week in uh, in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, um, without without nor making do, the news. Nor do I. Nor um, do I see him really <laughs> in the arms of one of the Kardashians. So. Yes. Um, well, maybe actually, um, but uh, but maybe Robert. I, I think um, you know my my um, logic for that was was uh, was basically that you know they've got, through the Detroit connection of, of Eminem. Um, I, I think uh, he's a he's a pretty good contender. I would love that. that, that there's a marriage made in heaven. So uh, anyway, that that's a tease, and and that's all we've got. So before we get to the big, um, I'd say, uh, two before we take a quick break here, um, of, you know, these sort of these these uh, real you know mega indie rock bands, um, I just wanted to toss out uh, one more April release in Jade Bird, um, and I know I've talked a fair amount about her already. Uh, she has got just a, a killer voice, uh, twenty uh, years old from um, from Northwest London, uh, and really has been on tour pretty much continuously since South by Southwest this year, um, and thus has just not had the time, I think, to get in the studio and sort of pull it together, but, like, the um, the buzz that she's been generating uh, on that tour, very, very... This uh, will be her deserving. debut, correct? Um, yes. Did you see I, her Christian I'm, live or she, in New York? Yep, okay. sorry. Yeah, yeah. Saw her a couple of months ago at Bowery and um, was really sort of blown away. I wasn't quite sure what to expect. She's got a mix of... Um, uh, sort of slower folk songs, but it was a pretty uh, rip roaring good time, and um, she has some real uh, rock chops as well. So um, I'm I'm excited to see what she comes out with. Uh, hope hoping to see um, you know a few of her big singles on there, and then a mix of um, some new stuff that that we haven't heard. She's certainly got a, a pretty you know large repertoire it seems. Um, so she's going to have a lot to choose from. Cool, awesome. Well, one of the big, big uh, releases of the year, I think, is going to be Vampire Weekend and their first post-Rostam album. Um, this album has also, not quite um, Ren's level, but it has been promised, I think, for two I feel years now. Like it's been now. talked about for a while. It's been, well, yeah. it's had a long time to gestate, but I think the last, I think 2017 and 18, they were, they were sort of on these anticipated albums lists. Um, and I think 18, it was definitely supposed to come out. 19, it um, looks like it really will. So, um, it, you know, I don't know what to say much beyond, um, you know, they've been, uh, they've sort of maintained their core uh, sound, but they've shape-shifted and they've certainly progressed a lot since their first album. Um, yeah. And so it... I think one of the things to, that I think people are most interested for this album is the last album... Um, was it uh, Vampire? What was the? Sorry, I'm spacing on the title of the last album. Uh, vampire. Uh, vampires. Of, what was it? Something <laughs> Vampires of the City. Vampires of the City. Yeah, and and that modern album. Modern Vampires I of the City. A, a modern. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, that was a huge leap, I thought, from Contra in the first album, and uh, you know, in, not in like style or um, necessarily in, in kind of songwriting chops, because I think all their albums have that, but. Um, but I thought sonically it was big, and I think Rostam got a lot of credit for kind of expanding that sound. So I think a lot of people are curious, as to myself included, as to like, 
will that detract? Will will they fill out? You know, what will go? Because we, we know that Ezra can sing and write songs. Um, lead singer is, I think, very talented. So I'm, I'm kind of psyched for this one. And I, I don't think these guys have put out a bad album, and I think that was their best. Um, and so, you know, it'll be interesting to see where they go. I have seen a couple of clips. They've played a couple of surprise shows, and they've definitely filled out the band, added a couple extra people. So it'll be interesting. Well, I would, I would certainly like to... Um uh, like to see them, you know, p- perform well because I think when they're on, they're on. And, and Modern Vampires of the City was actually my favorite album um, of theirs. And uh, I, you know, they, they the only uh, sort of hesitation I have is that they did win a Grammy for it, and that's uh, that's never a good sign. <laughs> so it's like being on the um, cover so, of Madden. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's like uh, yeah, it's a, it's a tear an ACL, ACL injury. <laughs> they're gonna uh, yeah. Austin City um, limits in this case. Yeah. Um, yes. Um, but we'll hope that uh, we'll hope that they they sort of uh, escape the shadow of, of that that curse and um, come out with some great. I I did bet you know incorrectly a few I think probably back in two thousand fourteen or fifteen that Ezra Koenig was about to become huge um, as a solo artist so uh, I'm I'm kind of interested that that he's for the most part sort of lurks a little bit further in the background um, and and hasn't, you know, sort of fully had his uh, his solo debut. Um, but he certainly was experimenting a lot more um, with uh, with his own production and um, with different sort of collaborations on, on um, single in the releases interim, yeah. and that sort of thing. Yeah, so I'm, I'm curious if he takes if he takes the reins away from Rod Sam, um, you know what that what that's really going to look like uh, on its own. So I'm I'm excited for it though. I think uh, each each one of these guys is is clearly very talented. Um, Chris Bow as well uh, has uh, has put out some solo stuff that I really enjoyed. So. Yeah, I like that. I like his music as well. It's interesting. They all do. So and next up, next up and the last sorry, one before we hit the hit the break is. Uh, Tame Impala, who was announced this week as headlining Coachella, um, or well, the last week or two. Um, it is, uh, and I, I saw an interesting, um, you know, sort of, I've seen some interesting thoughts around this, and I concur. Uh, Tame Impala, not, I guess, is, is this kind of sneaky big band that, that you know, um, you know, people like, um, you know, I think they've grown in popularity a lot since their last release. Well, uh, I saw them at a sold out Radio City musical show <laughs> years ago. So, yeah, exactly. So I think they're yeah, pretty Yeah, but I've big. seen characterized at a sold out Radio City Music Hall show and... and uh, there was some empty seats yeah, there. Yeah, <laughs> but you know what I mean. It's it's like there's... there's um, Oh, I definitely think Tame Impala is big. I, I, I wasn't doubting that, but, but headlining Coachella is usually reserved for the likes of Beyonce. So... Um, what they, what the people, you know, what and they Ariana Grande is one of the other one of the, the speculation point. being that uh, Tim Paula, because of you know th- that they may have invested quite a bit of uh, effort and emphasis and and obviously money into their live show. Um, a la, oh, yeah. you know, certainly nobody will ever repeat the Daft Punk. Uh, Coachella experience, but um, this is, you know, it's this is there's some speculation around the fact that their live show may be meriting uh, the the top spot, and that the you know the next album um, is going to be obviously very big, but um, everything they do is big uh, sound wise, but this time uh, they're going to you know, sort of accompany it with a with a visual that that to match. I remember thinking though that the Radio City show was exciting. You know, these these guys are not particularly mobile on stage, um, and they're not hugely engaging personalities. Um, Kevin Parker, in particular, I think, is a pretty shy guy. Um, and uh, but but they, you know, the, the lights and the visuals and the spectacle of the Radio City uh, the Radio City show were phenomenal. Um, and it really, I mean, it was like such an incredible experience. Uh, so I'm Which, I'm pretty excited. I you know I think they'll they'll match that and, and probably far surpass it uh, for for a well, Coachella headlining it, slot. And they've clearly got the money. As somebody it. who saw their first ever U.S. Uh, show, um, a a small affair at Pianos in the Lower East Side, opening for. Uh, wow. Simon O'Connor's Amazing Baby, or maybe it was vice versa. <laughs> I can't remember who opened for who, but uh, it was you know. 
they were they sounded big in a small room. They sounded like they were destined for much bigger things than they were. So they sounded big yeah. in a big room too. So they're ready exactly. for Coachella. Let's take a quick break and we'll come back and, and preview a couple more. Come on down from that cloud and cast your fears aside. You're all here and there, and there's nothing inside. May God's will be done in these poisoned hills. And let the devil be cast out on his tail. There was a voice that called. Back to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. Uh, we are looking forward, being optimistic about 2019 and and what it will, the bounty it will bring us. Uh, first on this uh, second part of the show, first time I was going to uh, bring up and and I bring this up solely for the album title. It's Lana Del Rey's Norman Fucking Rockwell, which is my favorite <laughs> album title so far of 2019 until it's de- until it's debunked. But uh, you know, I've, I I watch her from afar. She's another super prolific artist. I feel like um, I feel like she has an album. I mean, I, am, am I wrong? It seems like yearly she's had something coming out, or at least some singles. Also, it's really pretty, popular. It's a little fewer and further in between, but I think she's got a um, she's got a really incredible sort of uh, eye for for the sort of stylistic and like I, I, she she is a much more broadly I think just an artist and um, than than I want to say like exclusively mm-hmm. a musical artist. I, I really do. I sort of. I'm always fascinated by um, her sort of noir Hollywood 30s obsession yeah, uh, vibe. Yeah, and it's just, it's so, um, you know, it's so incredibly well executed. Uh, and it doesn't seem like she really ever breaks character. No. Um, except except when she's uh, speaking to reporters about the stalker who um, was Oof. trying to kill her. Um, yeah, that might be why you were thinking she put out an album last year, Jeremy. Um, <laughs> I because mean, she, she has one almost every other year. Which yeah, is, exactly. Yeah, yeah, sure. I think um, it's funny. Like it, it, the first time I ever uh, she was ever uh, came on my radar was with video games. Is that the single yeah. kind of broker? And um, to me, I saw her and I thought, oh, there's somebody who will be in movies shortly. Yeah, she has. Right. Well, she pulls off that look. I mean, she has the definitely like the vintage. But it's a cinematic her. quality to her songs yeah, and her the music persona. as well. Yeah. And unless she's a complete wet nap of a human, I think she'd probably do well on screen. Yes. Uh, and there's a, when you say cinematic quality to the music, Florence and the Machine mm-hmm. comes to mind. Um, that it's just, this stuff is built for mm-hmm. size. Um, and it is a very different style of music, but it just, it's, it's got, it's, uh, it's lounge music made for the arena. Yeah, it's lounge orchestral, um, but it's also kind of orchestral. <laughs> exactly. Um, but there's a, there's a, yeah, there's just a, a scalability to it, I guess, that I, I, I think is really cool. Um, so, uh, I'm, I'm definitely excited about that as well. I think that's a great pick. Right? One last um, thing on her, sorry to, to stay on Lana Del right here too, though, but she, she's somebody who too, I, I don't know if you guys remember, like was overhyped, got a ton of backlash and sort of almost like, you know, a complete reversal where people just hated her to hate her because I think she, she was, you know, pretty and had some connections and things of that nature. And then, uh, has really overcome that. And I think, you know, each of her albums the last few years have been pretty highly critically acclaimed as well as she sort of stayed, stayed the course. I mean, you know, absorbed the criticism, uh, didn't go insane, didn't end up, you know, um, sort of getting derailed by it. I think she just sort of stuck her guns and said, fuck you, I'm making this, you know, th- this is this is what I do. 
Um, and you know, if you if you can outlast your critics in some respects, um, the next time your name comes up for something uh, credible or or um, of of higher quality, uh, you know, then you have the almost advantage of of coming back and saying like, oh, another um, quality uh, release uh, piece of music from. Um, from Lana Del Rey, uh, and, you know, she weathered that um, sort of un- unjustified storm of criticism, and it actually sort of serves to build well, I, up, I think. The, the I think there's nothing critics love more than the uh, false humility of saying I was wrong, like, as if it's rare, um, you know. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, anyway. Except for us. Anyway, moving, moving on um, to uh, somebody who... Uh, it, just just down the street in LA. Yeah, well, let's just say um, if we are if there is a if there is a competition for the most prolific artist on this uh, list, I would give it to the, our next guest, uh, Vince Staples. Yes, he is. Um, he's got another album coming out after uh, his relatively short number FM um, that dropped in two thousand eighteen, and. Uh, Honestly, who knows what's going to, I mean, what it holds in store. I, th- I think, um, you know, he's clearly continuously making music, and it seems like um, his uh, releases are, at this stage, um, increasingly becoming efforts in curation um, of, uh, of the music that he's already got, um, on, you know, laid on the track. Uh, and stylistically, they're, they're so different. They hold together, um, but they're these sort of, like, discrete, um, separate ideas and, you know, between Big Fish, which has a uh, sort of dance club feel, to FM, which is, um, you know, sort of uh, uh, lamenting no the radio. Of, um, traditionally black radio, yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, and then, of course, his, his debut, probably, probably still my favorite, um, which... Uh, you know, which really was the, the sort of chronicle of his of his childhood um, in the uh, streets of South Central Los Angeles. So um, I'm I'm so curious, and I you know this guy's another um, sort of enigmatic, curious uh, celebrity character who just clearly does not like worry too much um, or or unduly about sort of how to um, how to stay well liked. His you know his his attitude is to. Uh, do what he's going to do. And, it's your, and, um, it's your and job to keep up. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, he's, he's a spectacular artist and, and still incredibly young, so I'm, I'm really too. excited about this. Yeah, he's the best. Next up, former child star and resident <laughs> uh, star in Los Angeles, uh, Jenny Lewis. Uh, the, the curious thing I read about this was that uh, it, her backing band includes Beck, Ringo Starr, Ryan Adams, Don Was, Ben Montench, and Jim Keltner. So sounds like a night out so at yeah, so, in LA, right? She's <laughs> yeah, she's finally become a PBS fan. exactly. Yeah, right? <laughs> uh, with her backing band Tote Bag. Um, <laughs> but yeah, she's um, this is bumper sticker. Yeah, this is this is you know this will be curious. I wonder if all these pieces fit together. Um, she's she's. I mean, I, I like Jenny Lewis. Um, I think she can be wildly inconsistent, but she is uh, always good for, like, a fantastic kind of um, rootsy throwback single. I mean, she's got a great voice, and I can't say that, like, I, you know, she had, on all of her albums there's something that pops. I am always worried about super groups in general, mm-hmm. if that's what this has kind of become, or, or if it's just people were guesting on the album. It could be a totally different story. Um, but uh, just because it tends to get a little out there and, and usually is uh, a disaster, well, she, but we'll she, see. I mean, she's like I said, she's always great for like one or two perfect uh, 60s, 70s styles. On Rabbit Fur Coat, she successfully covered the Traveling Wilburys. Now she has reestablished them. <laughs> now she is the Travel. I was about to say, yeah, you beat me to it. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it, she's uh, she. The style, like she's very likable, um, and these are all musical. I mean, you know, these are all very sort of musically minded people who have, um, I think, a, a great sort of like diverse set of, of interests. Um, I'm sure it'll sound good. Uh, I, you know, but the the question that will need to be answered because it is always the burning question in situations like this is why. Um, you know, what specifically was the reason? What is the impetus for doing this other than? Um, you know, you guys uh, 
we're having fun together and, and you know, is, is there going to be some really compelling sort of musical product that, that um, grabs our attention or is it just going to be all well, well, good? You know, I think... Because I know I they can It depends play. on how, how <laughs> contagious the fun is. You know, if, 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 if we're having yeah. a... If it's their fun versus versus whether it's uh, fun yeah, for I mean, if, it, if this is like I mean, Ringo Starr and Ben Montench, like they're fun. Beck, you know. We'll see. I mean, if this is like improv comedy or jazz, where it's only fun for the people who are doing it, um, then we're in trouble. But if it's uh, if they can project that sense of fun out of the studio, the funny thing, um, if you know LA geography at all, uh, Ryan Adams's studio is on Sunset. There about three blocks. Um, West of the Nickelodeon lot, so uh, basically where, where Jenny got where her Jenny start. Got her start. So um, anyway, that's just a, a little tiny fun fact. Next album up is another supergroup, uh, the Raconteurs, and it's their first album in eleven years, which I find both surprising and it does feel like it was a long time ago that they put shit out, though. Uh, yes, in in fact. Um I believe they've only had two albums at all, right? They did Broken Boy Soldiers in 2006, and then, what was it, Consolers of the, yes. of the Lonely? Yes. Yeah, in 2008. So, um, I, I mean, you know, it, it's not, it can't come as a huge surprise to anybody who's followed the arc of Jack White's career that he is uh, busy and engaged in many different projects. Um, he's put out five solo albums in the... In the two Dead uh, Weather albums. Interim and, years. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, and yeah, and then then the Dead Weather albums that he, you know, where he produced Wanda Jackson. Um, uh, I mean, yeah, there's. Yeah, he's a he's a busy guy. He also started a record label and uh, and, and a beef with Dan Arbuck. And, so. and um, oh yeah, that's right. It's a busy, uh, well, busy but, time. Yeah, yeah, but um, it, it is interesting because I, I do want. I, I have to say, I Brendan Benson was somebody I really liked and was rooting for in the, you know, 2000s, and he seems to sort of uh, have faded from the scene a bit. I really like him. He's a really excellent purveyor of uh, power pop. Um, And um, I think getting him back in the fold with Jack White is going to be, uh, is going to be, Interesting. Um, it may bring some of uh, Jack White's pop hooks back to the fore and uh, make him a little less experimental, which at this point might be a, a welcome reprieve. So next up on this list, we have Missy Elliott, uh, which I'm obviously pumped about. I'm a huge fan of that. Uh, and, and, you know, you've got to think that after a year in which uh, Pusha T has... has um, risen back to the top of the rap game uh, it would be great to see a sort of um, southeastern Virginia renaissance uh, dominating the charts again yeah so um, maybe maybe Timbaland is 2020 um, but you know Missy Elliott just has she put anything out that you guys don't like no. and find shit tons no, of fun I'm always <laughs> yeah if only she, if only that underdog Pharrell could get back on his feet yeah exactly um, no, it's really, it's, it's an incredibly um, uh, sort of rich um, modern musical tradition um, coming out of uh, the Newport News area. So um, it's, uh, it's pretty cool to see her back with another album. Um, not to mention the fact that I'd say she's one of the most likable mm-hmm. people I find, um, you know, in interviews and in any kind she's of public funny. setting. Um, she just, she, she appears to be really enjoying yeah. herself. <laughs> Um, yeah, which is in, in, in a very contagious way. I don't know much about the album, so, you know, I think it's, uh, you know, just fun to anticipate rather than oh, speculate. It's awesome. I would ask, when was her last album? Was it, oh, I mean, it was before 2010, right? No, album, proper it was, album, uh, no? she put one out last year, two years ago. Okay. Yeah, which was great. Um, so, uh, with that, we will shift slightly um, back to, uh, we've, we've been bouncing between the coasts and and um, sort of Appalachia, um, but back to Appalachia, we have White Reaper. My, you guys, my like favorite White Reaper, album, don't 2017. You? It's wins. For I love them. Yeah. I think they're really good, and I heard them. Uh, it's funny because they they didn't really have a lot of legs beyond. Uh, I, you know, you don't really hear much of them um, outside of, you know, intentionally trying to listen to them. But I was in a bar the other day and. Uh, 
there. Uh, someone was playing a couple songs off this uh, off their last album, and I was brought right back. I love that record. It's a fun, uh, cocky, classic rock record that that made me happy. Well, I I was about to say that's that's actually it's so funny because if. If I think if I th- I think if I heard them in a bar, I probably would think right back. Like I'm not sure that my my brain would activate um, and say like this is White Reaper. I you know I think it would just sort of like it would wash over me as um, good classic rock that belongs 70s. in a bar. Yeah, exactly. Um, it it just unless I was unless I was really uh, uh, sort of focused on it. You know that's a great that's a great choice. Um, you'll have to tell me where that was. Um, but no, these guys. I mean also. Young group uh, from Louisville, uh, Kentucky. Um, so, you know, I have to say, along with my morning jacket, like Louisville puts out just a, a like a, a like a great rock band every few years. You know, they they really do have. Um, uh, I think their their own residents would say, not necessarily um, the biggest or broadest scene, but but definitely one of the baddest. Um, so, uh, so I'm psyched to see these guys Quality hit around, uh, presumably playing much bigger venues than they Who were knows? last time when they were, uh, on the Babies All Right mm-hmm. circuit. So. Who knows? They definitely, uh, they go for the bigger sound, but yeah, I'm not sure the fan base is falling. We'll see. Um, well, that brings us to somebody who is on a much larger scale at this point. That's Chance the Rapper. Absolutely. Uh, with... Presumably back with his, uh, his well, with his fourth album, um, which I I'm hoping is is called Four. Well, as um, we discussed during but, the, during the mixtape versus album episode, um, it I mean, and, and I still can't make the distinction. But actually, this is his. Will this be his second album? Fourth. Fourth. No, I'm going fourth. I'm on the basis that like a mixtape is typically. Um, you know, it, it's a lot of remix material and sampled material, which I understand is is pretty pervasive across um, across hip hop. But um, you know, he really put a uh, put a pin in it because it's it, it sort of it, basically the the profitability, right? Whether you're selling it or whether you are releasing it as sort of an interim measure. Um, you know, he of course came out without a record contract uh, and continues to um, make his own music and do so independently. Um, so, you know, to say that to say that those releases aren't albums, um, and that something like Acid Rap is a mixtape, although I think originally he called Acid Rap a mixtape, I think uh, it is now more appropriate to uh, put put that in the in the category. It feels like uh, an album of his first album, yeah. Um, but uh, of course, you know, music critics, uh, myself included, will. Um, will argue uh, for decades about this, and um, he does not care, uh, and his fans do not care. So moving back to the actual music itself, um, you know, I think there was a huge step up. Obviously, the big Apple Music contract um, came with his last album, Three, uh, and, you know, invited some really, um, some, some really sort of high-level uh, uh, featured artists, whether, you know, from T-Pain to, to Wheezy, um, and, uh, you know, I think that this is going to be another um, big step up and big step in the right direction. You know, I, I love um, every feature that this guy has on, on somebody else's songs, um, Chance, that is. Uh, and, and, you know, he, he just has this incredibly um, sort of effervescent, um, soulful, joyful quality to his music that I think is, is um, you know, sorely needed and, and really something... I think uh, is, I'm, yeah. he's my fearless prediction for the EGOT and a future Senate seat. I could see it. Uh, Coloring Book in 2016 was, you know, to your point, Christian, I think one of those rare albums that everybody loved and uh, including, you know, had street cred, but also was uh, kind of a return to... to positivity and fun. He has like a gospel quality as well. Everybody and, would uh, win him if I remember correctly. <laughs> yeah, maybe too, sing, too much singing for a win. But, uh, <laughs> no, that's, know, I mean... He, he's, I mean, he's geared obviously, I think, to, to be... I mean, he is a, I think he is pretty much a megastar, but I think definitely this album is gonna you know, put him in... Stratospheric. Like, yeah. Headlines. There'll be a lot of hype, yeah. Alright, well that... 
Well, should yes. we run through some? Uh, oh, we have actually a couple well, other. Let's, let's skip to the last one, and then we'll go through some honorable mentions. But uh, the last one is uh, Run the Jewels Four, which is mega Grand Slam potential. It most certainly is. LP has been teasing this um, uh, for about a year now with, um, you know, releasing on Instagram sort of a few seconds here and there of uh, some of the beats that he's been he's been dream weaving in the studio. He, of course, got married um, last year, I think, which, uh, you know, I, I say they took time off. Um, they didn't really take time off. They, they just, you know, there's there's an extra six months between releases after that after that uh, surprise Christmas Eve drop. Was it mm-hmm. Christmas Eve? Yeah. Um, yeah. December 25th, yeah, um, which was awesome. Um, and, you know, who knows? We could see this sooner than we think. Um, but uh, all I can tell you uh, is that when I hear Killer Mike and LP say that this is the grimiest, rawest uh, Run the Jewels record to date, um, well, I, I just I get goosebumps. Um, I'm so excited to have these guys back. I think they are incredibly funny because brilliant at skewering, um, you know, the, uh, uh, the, the, the news, the celebrity culture, whatever it is, they're just like these two outliers, you know, mad, mad men, like, you know, uh, blunt smoking jokesters who completely understand the joke, understand how to like forcefully communicate politics, um, you know, uh, but at the same time, uh, just really, it's, it's like they are two of the most authentic people you're going to find. And I, I think that, you know, a, a big part of that has to come from the fact that these guys found each other relatively late in life. You know, they were they were successful, but not superstars. Um, yeah. And, you know, they were introduced... They're not striving. When, they're comfortable with what they're doing. Yeah, they were introduced to one another when they were both 40. Um, and, or, uh, yeah, I think 38 and 40. Um, and, you know, it had, by, by all accounts, had made peace with the fact that they were going to continue to do the things that they love doing. And, and you know, um, I think were, uh, but were, but had maybe it sort of felt like I don't know. The, the the they weren't going to be as successful as, as maybe one day they'd hoped, um, and and I think that that you know that really is like the best evidence you're going to find that like sort of be true to yourself and, and keep doing what you're going to do, and like it, it'll pay dividends in the end. Um, and these guys are a brilliant example of that because oh my god, has it been paying dividends? Yeah, they're great. It is a uh, uh, match made in heaven. But anyway, want to just I just want to run down. I think just read them off uh, other albums that we're excited about um, that we're not going to go in depth on. Uh, Panda Bear has one coming out. Grimes, Carly Mae Jepsen, Maxwell, Cass McCombs, Kanye West, Yandi, <laughs> Sky Ferreira, Rihanna, Royal Trucks first album in almost twenty years. Angel Olsen. I believe that's called uh, white stuff. Yeah, it's it? called powder. Um, Angels and Karen O and Danger Mouse have an album coming out together, and Priests and Hold Steady. So those are the ones we're looking forward to. And Code Orange, uh, a metal band out of Pittsburgh, uh, with their uh, uh, following up their Grammy-nominated uh, badassery. So uh, you want to take a quick uh, break, and we'll come back, and we'll end this how we always end it. Let's do it. All righty. Podcast. Uh, today we're going to end our show as we end every show. Christian, what are you listening to? 
Uh, you'll have to come back to me, Wyndham. I cannot. Okay, 124 <laughs> episodes in, and you're not prepared. Uh, Jeremy, do you know what you're listening to? Um, <laughs> I do. I'm, uh, I've actually went back and uh, rewatched something. So over the kind of uh, slower New Year's week, I went and rewatched Atlanta season one, and uh, I had I'd seen most of it, but not all of it. And I, I know I'm kind of backtracking here as we're looking forward into 2019. I'm, I'm looking backwards, but uh, I just kind of wanted to watch it start to finish. And uh, it's just a, it's a brilliant show. It's great. I love it. And uh, I, I had watched most of season two if, um, as well, which I actually do think is better, but I, um, I just had the opportunity to go kind of start to finish and binge it. And um, I'm glad I did. And there's some, some classic, classic, uh, experimental episodes in there and then just straightforward sli- slice of life stuff just like uh you know season two and i know you guys are both fans but um that's Did what you i watch was watching two or? or listening to yeah. i have i didn't i don't think i finished it either a lot of times now you are at least the tv setup i have i have to like pay for mm. the, the episode so i don't think i got through season two without having to pay but i think i'm willing to now to finish it cool then the episodes i saw were fantastic nice Okay, okay. okay. Christian, what are you listening to? We're into- um, so I, I, have, I have two things quickly here. One is um, a, a great book that was actually originally um, it, it published in, in the late 80s, which I think uh, I received as a gift for um, my birthday when I was about 15. Wyndham, I'm sure you got a copy uh, as well from, um, from Deb, but it called An Incomplete Education. Um, which is uh, no, which I just, just received an incomplete um, education. I didn't read it. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a it's a really sort of engaging, funny. It was it was um, republished in uh, in I think about two thousand. So um, and sort of refreshed, but a really engaging, funny sort of effectively um, uh, encyclopedia. But it's it's um, much more than that. It's sort of uh, specifically curated in a way so you know is to give you uh, a, a complete well um, a, per the name an incomplete education um, in every subject imaginable but um, in a sort of highly readable way you can romp through um, you know uh, the great painters um, uh, physics uh, you know and and um, literature music um, and and they are uh, they were both Judy Wilson and Excuse me, William Wilson and Judy Jones were both uh, staff writers at the New Yorker for um, for years. So it's in uh, sort of typically um, uh, highly readable um, prose. Um, the other thing I would say uh, that I that I really enjoyed was Roma, um, the Quaron flick, um, which is uh, I think just as somebody who really doesn't know my way around um, the politics of 1970s and 80s Mexico, um, as well as I would like to, um, I thought that this was a really uh, sort of stirring um, portrayal of, of middle class life, um, you know, within uh, uh, the, uh, uh, within that uh, Mexico City sort of upper middle class uh, uh, context. And it's, um, the story follows the live-in nanny and, and maid um, basically of, of Quaron's uh, own family, um, <clears throat> and follows her experience very much in an upstairs-downstairs Gosford Park kind of way. Um, and uh, I, I think, you know, in the same way that Gosford Park is humorous, um, sort of probes some of the more tense class struggle issues um, at, at hand, but, uh, but does so in a way that's ultimately pretty endearing um, and, uh, and, you know, very much full of, uh, uh, I think, full of empathy um, for everybody involved. I think it's a, it's a really outstanding flick, and I kind of wonder if it'll go down as, as his finest. He's got some good competition, you yeah. know, at least today. among his own repertoire. Absolutely. He's, yeah, he's... he's no, I, well, I mean, that's, that's the, yes, absolutely. I, so Children of Men, I, I should clarify, you know, full disclosure, is one of my fav- favorite all-time movies. Mine too. Certainly Love the first... And distinguished by the fact that it was the first time I I remember um, ever really thinking about directing as 
uh, as an, as its own art form, right? Like it wasn't, you know, it's not story, it's not, um, so it's not the writing, it's not the acting, it's, and just thinking, wow, this could be a very different movie if it weren't for the guy behind mm-hmm. the camera. Agreed. Yeah, and he, he tends to, yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to finish Roma. I actually started it um, and didn't, just ran out of time. It's a long movie, and I, I actually really enjoyed what I saw. I just um, need to carve out some time yeah. to finish it, but it's beautifully shot and uh, kind of a cool slice of life from what I've seen. And I think we far. can, you know, we can talk about this another time, but I, I think it's a, you know, I wish I had seen it in the theater. Uh, I broke it up into pieces, which is the wrong thing to do with that movie. And so um, I wish, you know, I could re, uh, you know, sort of uh, re-experience it for the first time. Well, he... Particularly because I, I believe I'm right in saying that, um, you know, of course it came out on Netflix, uh, but um, it, it is notable for being the first Netflix movie um, that also was released in theaters at the insistence mm-hmm. of Quaron, um, who who said, you know, if, if you want me, this is how we well, do it. Well, you also need so. that for uh, Oscar. I mean, by Oscar rules, you need to have a theatrical release for X number of days, uh, which is why People versus O.J. I mean, uh, sorry, O.J. Simpson made in America ran in theaters. Um, it's a it's a very strange ground rule, but we're I mean, not a very strange ground rule. But there is there are uh, rules that qualify you for Oscar consideration. And if it had gone straight to Netflix and never appeared in a theater, it takes him out of awards contention. That said, yeah, okay. Well, that that really burst my bubble that he was committed to the no, art. No, no, both, but, uh, I, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. Yeah, I mean, it obviously could have been a much more limited release, but I think um, the, uh, yeah, the emphasis was was clearly um, I, b- both. I mean, and I think you're right to say that um, it's something that on a big screen uh, is a little bit more magical, um, and, you know, he, he, is a, he is such a visual And you're a more patient so. viewer and a more captive viewer if you're sitting in a theater. I... You know, I mean, it, it, breaking this movie up is not the right thing to do. So if anybody hasn't seen it, watch it in full. Commit yourself to the full run of it because it's uh, it requires some patience at the, uh, for the first hour. Yeah. Uh, Lights off, yeah. going away. Um, all right, well, uh, my what are you listening to is, firstly, uh, there's a lot of stuff I've, I've covered, so I'm not going to go through all of it, but I, I highly recommend The Clinton Affair on A&E, which, um, like... Uh, O.J. Made in America, uh, certainly not even close to the caliber of uh, O.J. Made in America, but um, like O.J. Made in America is something I experienced in real time as an adult, so I feel like I remember it, and then I go back and I watch something like this and realize how uh, uh, off-base my recollection of it is and how much uh, more intricate uh, the workings of it were than I was, you know, sort of attuned to at the time, or maybe remember. Um, but certainly revisiting it uh, twenty years later, um, it is, uh, you know, it's a, it's an incredibly uh, strange and involved story. And you know, one of the main top talking heads in the in the piece is Monica Lewinsky. Uh, so it it you know it it's from a different perspective, and it is you know there it does. Um, evoke uh, empathy and, and outrage and all the things that it should invoke um, and uh, also obviously sets the table for to some of today's political climate. Um, that said, I also read There There by Tommy Orange over Christmas and I can't recommend that highly enough. It is a, a first novel by a film by the name of Tony Orange who's a Native American who wrote a a series of uh, characters uh, who are current uh, Oakland, California residents, but are all Native American. Uh, it's sort of the tale of the modern uh, American Indian in an urban setting, and it's all gear- gearing around a uh, modern-day powwow, uh, which still happen, these large gatherings of Native Americans uh, to sort of celebrate their culture and they act as sort of uh, meeting grounds for people, but it's 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 incredibly well crafted and um, 
just a it's a it's a great book. It's not uh, uplifting. It's it's pretty rough, but it's pretty great. And uh, again, name to remember: Tommy Orange. So, do you guys want to add a song to the one point seven million ten best songs of all time? Love to, Christian. Oh. I'm ready. Um, all right, I will add "Do Up That Thing" by Lauren Hill. Nice, great choice. Very nice, Jared. I'm gonna go with a, a more recent song that I think is just a, a perfect pop gem. I'm going with "Always Archie Marry Me." Oh, nice. And I'm gonna go with uh, "Strawberry Letters 23" by the Brothers Johnson. And that, my friends, will end it. All right, looking forward to uh, 2019 new releases, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Excellent. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon. I'm Wyndham Lewis. On behalf of my brothers, Jeremy Sartori and Christian Lewis, thank you very much for listening to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. Many thanks also to our heroic producer, Damian Kendall, and to Simon Doom for our epic intro music. Learn more about the pod at brotherpod.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and it's extremely helpful if you rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks again for listening.